Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and you will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, good morning, everyone, into December 6, 2020. That's to our friends in our Southern California community and also our friends a little further out from Southern California. We're glad to be with you this morning. Uh, We are in an advent in isolation, especially for our SoCal peeps. Uh, We are going to have a Christmas time uh, in separation from many of our happy relationships. Uh, It's an advent in turbulence. Uh, We have cases and deaths rising. Uh, It's an advent in unrest, in unpeace, in uncertainty for what lies ahead. In other words, it's a real advent. We're waiting, waiting for some good news to arrive. You probably know this term, doom scrolling. Uh, So doom scrolling is where you check out for a bit on your couch, somewhere in your office, uh, in your bedroom, and you mindlessly thumb through your news feed or your social media for hours on end on your phone, tablet, computer, whatever it is. And, And you're trying to find anything, anything to spark interest, anything that's funny, anything that's moving, anything that's interesting, anything good. Uh, We're hungry. We are hungry for something appealing, something new, something fresh, something encouraging. Uh, We're hungry for some good news. And good news is not some remote spiritual category. Um, We all are hungry for some good news. We are hungry for an arrival. Uh, We're hungry for Advent. But it's hard to find. It's hard to find some childlike awe and delight in this 2020 grayness. And so we do need some discoveries that will make us marvel. Now, just windows to make us find wonder, joy, and brightness. I, I, <laughs> this last week I read a Sylvia Plath uh, poem because it's, hey, it's 2020 and Plath seems downright cheery for 2020. And it's entitled Black Rook 
in rainy weather. And she's struck, in this poem, she's struck positively, funny enough for Sylvia Plath, um, she's struck positively by something. Uh, yes, mopey Sylvia Plath. And in a rare moment, she's in the rain and she sees a crow and the light hits, the light hits the crow's feathers at just the right time. And for a split second, she's caught up and has wonder and amazement at its beauty. And then it just goes away. Uh, she calls these little windows of something just amazing to her. Spasmodic tricks of radiance. And then she keeps waiting for them. Sylvia was emo before emo was a thing. And then she writes in this poem, she is always waiting for their, quote, rare and random descent. I, I want us to see, especially during this real Advent, I want us to see like Madeline waiting for a train, a common train. Look at look at Madeline. What's coming? A train. Are we gonna ride the train? Yeah. <gasps> look at how it goes to us. <laughs> oh my yep. goodness. Here it comes. Here he comes. Hey, we gotta be safe. Stand back. Whoa! Alright. I wanna be like that, Madeline. I wanna see trains all over again. I wanna see Advent and the birth of Jesus all over again. Not as a spasmodic trick of radiance, but as a planned wonder. A planned wonder for me, a planned wonder for you. I want us to see the power of God all over again in the weakest and the most ignored areas. I want us to see delight in his story, in his promises, in his plan, in the middle of a real Advent. So every week during our Advent time, well, there's an account of a child a child from our scriptures. And every week, I want us to find something that amazes us all over again, especially the arrival of God to us or with us. So this morning, um, I, I think of uh, that Christmas carol. Um, what child is this, right? What child is this? And, and that carol stares at the manger. But, but before the manger, um, there's this little girl, Mary. And we ask, what, what child is this? When we look at little Mary. Now, I, I know we are all being as woke as possible. In fact, we might even think our generation is the wokest of all peoples, of all generations, the most accepting of all types of people. Uh, but the truth is, we all just have new and different sets of people we now despise and distrust and dismiss. So for your ears this morning, just just think of the person that is completely on the other side of your political views. See, there's just another, you may not dismiss women, but you're going to dismiss the other side. You're going to distrust them. You are going to cancel them in your mind. 
And, and so what I'm about to say to us, the, the pseudo super woke, um, this might sound a little primitive and a little, a little silly, but in the era, the time that Jesus was born into, um, women had very little rights or legal recourse or civic standing, cultural standing, girls even less so. Um, there was cultural distrust and dismissal, if you will. Uh, it, it, even legally, um, their, their testimony and witness was not permitted in any sort of court or any table. And so uh, I, I find it more than interesting that God chose to announce both his birth and his resurrection um, first uh, to this little girl, little girl Mary, not more than 16. Um, he, he told his resurrection first to Mary Magdalene, who used to be uh, a mental case, a mental patient. And in God's mind is, I want my announcement to start with you all. You all will be the first to tell the world. I like that. God is saying, I'm going to entrust my plan to what the world doesn't trust. Now, if you're going to create a myth in the ancient world, you sure will not start it out this way. You don't hand over your PR plan to a little girl with a sketchy background story. You don't do that. But this is more than a PR plan. This little girl is where the Son of God would begin human life. Um, verse 32 from our reading this morning. Uh, Gabriel is speaking to Mary and he says, you know, he's going to be great. Son of the Most High. Verse 33. You know, you know he's going to be a king and his dynasty is never, ever going to stop. Mary is nonplussed. In verse 35, Gabriel says, um, he's going to be called the Holy One, the Son of God. We don't get this anywhere in the scriptures. Sometimes people are called holy, but never the Holy One, the embodiment of otherness and separateness brought close. Verse 38, Gabriel tells Mary, he says, you know, the Holy Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit is going to be the agent of life within you. The power of God is going to do something and it will not be the presence of a male that brings new life. It'll be the power of God. And the result is going to be the Holy One. Now, this little girl doesn't break into song here. Right? We think the musical might start the Magnificat, like, you know, when the musical, when you watch a musical movie, this is where maybe Mary starts shashaying around the room, flowing, throwing flowers and singing about these great praises. No, not yet. Like, she, she, it doesn't click with her yet. But but she meets with Elizabeth, her, her very old cousin, who's also pregnant with, like we talked about last week, with John the Baptist. Now, Elizabeth gets it. Because she meets Mary and um, John jumps. John jumps within her. And, and, and she tells Mary, this is Elizabeth, the older lady now. She's telling Elizabeth, um, the Lord sent you this. 
She tells this little girl, the Lord sent you this. The Lord sent you that angel. And, and in verse 43, um, I, I don't think it's printed in our online bulletin this morning, but in verse 43, Elizabeth says this, um, why am I so favored? Like, why? what did I do to win this lottery? That the mother of my Lord, the mother of my Lord is right here. My cousin, the mother of my Lord. The Lord sent that angel. You have my Lord is in you, Mary. So this is what she's telling little girl Mary. And my Lord is equal, equal to my father in heaven. Now this, this may not seem really shocking or strange to you. You think maybe this is just an old lady talking to a young girl, her cousin. Um, but this, this was pretty shocking for early theologians. Because Elizabeth is saying this. Um, this breakable baby in you is God himself. This is what got the early church totally rethinking God. Three persons, one God, Son, Father, Holy Spirit. And that's when Mary gets it too. When she hears this from Elizabeth, that's when she breaks out into her musical. When she hears Elizabeth say, God is becoming a breakable baby. God has become fragile. God has become dependent. God has become vulnerable. Now, this is Christmas screaming to anyone who would hear it. This is the tinsel and flash of Christmas right here. This is the aroma of pine and cinnamon and peppermint lattes right here. This is the distillation of Christmas right here. If there is a main point, if you have lost wonder for Christmas, if you don't know what to do in this quarantine, right? Now that the pictures with Santa and the kids are done via digital manipulation on an awkward Zoom call, now that the parties are canceled and the displays are now toned down a lot and there are no more what there are no parties and and the family gatherings are now getting canceled or or just parentheses done super secretly with no one so posting anything on social media if you think is christmas is ruined because we're all in a lockdown you still have the ultimate ultimate christmas right here this little girl with a breakable baby can't be quieted uh, you've got to see this and hear this for your own heart. I do too. This is what Christmas is. The unbounded became finite with limitations and boundaries. The off the charts power became impotent without power. Right? He, with all bling and glory, with no cash, castle, or a Bugatti Chiron. The spiritual became tendons and sinew and blood and carbon, uh, carbon very much physical. The super Kevlar invincible became vulnerable and breakable. See, that, that is the main point of Christmas. God became a cell the smallest expression of life. And this little zygote was clinging to the dietary choices of a little girl. What was once totally other, that's what holy means, other and separate. What was once totally other 
became something you could touch, hug, dot, 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 and kill. The impossible became possible with the Incarnation. Now, Elizabeth thinks this is going to change the world. She says it. There's a blessedness to all who just take this in. Now, you might think this, really? 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 How does, how does Christmas do anything? How does this do anything? Like, great, nice, cute, baby, nice story, mysterious God power move. But Elizabeth sees nothing but full-on blessing for those who believe it and take it in. She says that. She says the entire restorative favor of God is on those who take this in. And she's talking to her cousin, her this little girl. Owning this, believing, trusting it will strengthen and repair your life in every single category of humanity, soul, psyche, and social engagement. Every single one. That's what blessedness means. So, uh, <laughs> how does a breakable God change anything? How is that a big deal? And that's the one thing I want you to pull from today. The one thing, something very small has humongous implications. This is the one thing, becoming breakable. Becoming breakable is the only thing that leads to restored, reconciled, redemptive love. It's the only thing. I, I think if you're married this morning, I think you might especially see this. But if you're not married, um, you experience this in all manners of relationships. It can be with a parent-child, your sibling, a close friend, a co-worker. You, you've, you've already seen this. W- what happens when things start falling apart? Like in a, in a, in a friendship or a relationship? Hey, um, hey, I think you made a mistake and you hurt me and it's your fault. Um, no, actually, I only did that because you did this other stupid thing. (laughs) Actually, funny that you should say that, um, because I only did that stupid thing because you started it with (laughs) this other stupid thing that you did. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because um, you've always been doing this stupid thing, but I really haven't told you. Um, okay, uh, while we're talking about this, uh, I'd like to bring up some more things that you've done. Um, look, just, just, just admit it, okay? You blew it. You were wrong. It's indefensible, right? Uh, uh, okay, you really have to own up to your own stink. Um, no, I, I actually think you're, you're the important part of the problem here. Um, no, th- that's on you. Um, you. But mostly you. Uh, no, you. But you. Uh, what's happening? What's happening? The relationship's getting worse, and the connection is crumbling, and both of you feel it. No one is going to stop firing verbal, passive, or hostile bullets. No one is going to bend. I hate to say it, but it's really not me. You need to work on you. No you. No you. No you. 
and in between verbal shots, um, everyone starts to think of new defenses, right? And the Kevlar armor gets thicker and it gets what reinforced, and the relationship starts to teeter, and the relationship is breaking up, and the relationship in some cases becomes irreconcilable. And the more that happens, what the, the parties are just moving away from each other. You can feel it. Nope, it's you. Mm, it's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. Sometimes something breaks. And in the middle of you, 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 someone says, okay, it's me. That's on me. I, I, my bad. Yeah, yeah, it is you. It is you. And sometimes that doesn't really stop the bullets, but then the bullets happen less and less. And then the relationship starts to heal. One of you, one of you dropped the Kevlar. One of you went vulnerable. Even if the other person really didn't, really did do most of the offense, you own up to your own junk, you go vulnerable, you become breakable. And it hurts. And they do fire some more rounds and they hit their mark, but restoration comes. And most of the time, it is better and deeper and kinder and stronger and more intimate than whoever was before. Now, why is that? How is that? In the middle of the yelling, in the middle of the heat and the fire, one of you decides that the relationship is more important. One of you says, I gotta have them back. I want the love back. I want my sweetie's friendship back. And your desire for that is more than your desire to see, be seen as right. You actually take off the Kevlar vest and allow some of the bullets to hit your skin. Okay? I'll take it. And it's the only way the relationship is repaired. The only way. And you all, you all already know that this is how relationships work. Somebody takes a bullet, becomes breakable, allows the zingers to land without coming back with a bigger zinger. Why does that work? You were made in the image of God. You were made in the image of the one who would totally do that. Now, at Christmas, the ultimate defender of all airtight arguments, reasons, and perfections became a baby. He became breakable. We cannot find a bigger story a bigger example than this. You cannot find one other religion, no other deity that would do this. Not one. We cannot make this up because every other God we've made up does not stoop, does not become fleshy, does not become breakable, does not become killable. Uh, we need some C.S. Lewis in Advent. He says this in The Four Loves. He says this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. 
wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries, avoid all entanglements, lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. Lewis says it again, to love is to be vulnerable. He gets it, doesn't he? There's no way to have a relationship without becoming breakable. Christmas is when our God became breakable. For many of us, this seems impossible. And and Christmas is saying um, the breakability and the vulnerability of God in becoming a cell and then a mass of dividing cells means that it's possible The unbreakable God became breakable. The invincible God became something you could totally kill. He was stripped of all his Kevlar and all of his ammo. And that was the only way to intimacy. Restored friendship, restored relationship. The only way. Christmas means this. God values our restoration more than avoiding brokenness. Christmas tells you this. Christianity, right? Christmas and Christianity tells you this. God became breakable and fragile. Someone you could hurt. Why? To get you back to himself. And not only to himself, to get you back to your truest self. And not only that, but to get you back to others in the truest form of community. The fragility of God in the little fragile girl Mary is for those willing to admit what? Yeah. I need that kind of extreme, impossible, mysterious, wonderful, inexplicable story over my life. I am so fragmented. I am so bewildered. I am so confused and so unable to patch myself. I am so at odds with myself and others and God that I need a God to become breakable, to restore what I have tried to restore through thousands of different avenues. Do you see why he became fragile, breakable, taking off his armor all the way? If you know this, blessed are you. You are being restored in blessedness. If you don't know it, take it in. And the breakable God will unbreak you. Believe it again this second Sunday of Advent. Would you pray with me? Our God, who made himself breakable in Jesus, mend us through your own brokenness, we pray.
Amen.